All right, well, how we doing? Good to see you in church today, and uh, hello to everyone watching at our South Campus. Uh, we're glad that you guys are with us, and anyone watching online as well, and it's good to be in church. I hope you guys are excited to be in church today, and uh, if we've never met before, my name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor here at Crosspoint, and uh, we wrapped up a series last week on the book of Jonah, and so we're, we're all done. We're starting something new today, but I loved going through Jonah. Uh, I had an awesome time going through that book, and I know I had a lot of people come up to me uh, over this past week and say, like, I didn't know there was a plant in Jonah. I didn't know there was a worm in Jonah. I didn't know there was anything past a whale in the book of Jonah. And so it's been good to uh, kind of learn some new things and be stretched along the way. And uh, on, on a related note, sometimes it is true that when you're sitting in, in a sermon, you hear something, you've got a question, you want more thoughts on that, you want to unpack that, but we don't really have the chance to do that, right? This isn't, a sermon is fairly one-sided, right? We don't stop midway, like, is there any questions? Do I see any hands? Does anyone want to come up and take it from here? Like, we don't really do that. Uh, and so it, there is value, though, in sitting down and talking about this stuff and unpacking it and wrestling with some of it. And so what we've done, what we've been working on for the past month is a new podcast that we just released from the church that we were calling Let's Go There. And basically the premise of this podcast is, is just that. It's, there, there's a guy, he's not here tonight, an awesome cross pointer named Marcel, who is taking notes through the whole sermon and coming up with all these questions. And we sit down each week and he asks me, all right, you said this in your sermon, what do you mean by that? Here's a tangent you didn't get to take during your sermon. Why don't, why don't we go there now? And, and it gives us a really good chance to kind of unpack and go deeper in the sermon. And so that's available now. If you go to our church website, it is there. It's on iTunes and Google and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we'd love for you to check that out as a way just to continue to grow beyond the weekend. And uh, a really good way, too, to maybe send that link to someone who doesn't go to church. Maybe they won't go to church, but they'll listen to a podcast. And, and it might be a good way to plant some seeds there. So we just wanted you guys to know about that. Uh, new stuff is fun. Hooray. Okay. Uh, speaking of new stuff, look at this. This looks awesome. This is fun. Uh, we have a new stage this week, and part of the reason we do that one is just for fun. We like to switch it up. Uh, but the other reason is that now that we're doing video sermons and they're watching at South Campus, uh, the prior background was just black, and the camera was having a hard time like focusing on the right things and working. And so this is partly to remedy that and to give us better video uh, for online and the campus and partly because it, it's just fun and it looks good. Uh, but a massive shout out to Pastor Jamie. And uh, he had a crew of three or four guys. They, they pretty much did this all week. They had to build things and wire it and all the program and all the, anyway, a ton of work, uh, but it looks great and uh, fun. New things are fun, hooray, right? Uh, while we're talking about things that aren't sermons, um, two weeks from today, two weeks from this weekend, uh, we're going to have a guest speaker with us. This is something that we do not do a lot, so when we do it, you know that, all right, they must obviously really like this person. Uh, but we have a special guest speaker who is coming. Her name is Nicole Reyes, and she is from, she's pastoring a church, uh, on staff at a church in New York City, 
just an incredible preacher. She's actually coming to do the Uprising Women's Conference, but we invited her to stay for the whole weekend and preach all of the sermons for the, the weekend. And so we'd really want you to be here for that. She is really, really good. It'd be a great weekend to bring people. Every weekend is a great weekend to bring people, right? I don't want you to ever think, well, that's not a great weekend to bring anyone, right? But so when we say that, it doesn't mean like we think there are down weeks when you shouldn't come to church. Um, but this is a really good one. Uh, and we're really excited to have her with us. So that's two weeks from this weekend. But what that means is that we have two weeks together where we're going to be in a new series, just a really short one that we're calling Grow Beyond Sunday. Uh, basically, the premise being we're going to grow beyond. Now, I know we do church on Saturdays. And someone out there is going to correct me in the lobby after church. It's, uh, you should have actually called it Grow Beyond Saturday. And said, No, we shouldn't have. Don't. Just stop it right now. Um, but the whole premise being, this shouldn't be it, right? Our time together, you should be growing all week. You, you should be developing your faith and maturing in your faith. Uh, it's kind of an ongoing thing that we do. This is who we are. And so this is what this series is going to be about for the next couple weeks and uh, really practical but really important stuff. And so we're going to hop right into that right now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 is our main passage. If you've got your Bibles... And the author says, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, so it's just the author, uh, says in verse 1, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. I want to pray for us today as we talk about this. Jesus, uh, it is your desire that we would grow. It's your desire that we would become more and more like you, that we would sound like you and speak like you and love like you. And so we need your help with that through the power of your Holy Spirit at work within us. And I just pray that you'd speak to us now, speak to us through your word and your spirit, challenge us, um, spur us on to continue to grow. And uh, may we just continue to mature in our faith as believers and as a church. We pray it in your name. Amen. All right. I am a parent. I have kids. The whole point of having children is to someday not have children. Right? Isn't that the point? You grow up and, and you got these kids in your home and you're like, yes, someday they won't be here. That's, if you're doing your job well, the point is that they will grow up and to be able to survive out there in the wild without their mom and their dad doing all of the things for them. Right? And, and so what you do, what you do mentally as a parent every day is you look at your kids and you ask yourself, if you were alone for the next 48 to 72 hours, would you still be alive? And if the answer is no, you're still on the job, right? You're like, okay, one more day. We'll ask again tomorrow. And eventually, someday, the answer will be like, yeah, I think they would be okay, right? And, and so they will leave the house. You start with babies and kind of at the end of the road, you want to have adult, adult-ish, young adult-ish people who will survive and be okay, right? That's the goal. You want them to be self-sufficient. A baby is incapable of almost everything. You got to hold a baby, feed a baby, change a baby, put the baby to sleep. You got to do everything for a baby. You can't just walk away from a baby and hope that they'll be okay. 
right? Like, baby, you've been a lot of work. Tonight, I'm going to the movies. Take, help yourself to anything you see in the fridge. I'll be back in a little while. Like, you can't do that with a baby. They're incapable of everything. If you do that, social development will call. And they will take your child. They will call me to take care of your child. And I just can't right now. So take care of your kids. But eventually, as your kids grow up, there are these certain moments, aren't there? These monumental moments where your kid does something for the first time and you're like, oh. Like, that, like when your kid can go to the bathroom 100% by themselves. Such a good moment. Right? When your kid can dress themselves and instead of fighting with them, you're like, just go get dressed. You do it. It's on you now. Uh, when your kid can get their own food. Isn't that a big one? When they can go get their own snack and instead of like, dad, can you make me something? Dad, can you get me toast or steak on freshly roasted vegetables or whatever? Like, dad. And it's just, no, no, you can do it now. And it's a great moment. And in fact, when they get to a certain point, you're like, you get me that. That's a key moment right there. How about you get me a drink, kids? It's great. Those are key moments, key growth moments. And I, and I have people ask me, like, there's still some we haven't gotten to yet, um, like driving. And I have people ask me kind of like with terror, like, oh, you're ready for your kids to start driving? As if I'm like afraid. I'm like, oh, bring it. I can't wait until there's another taxi driver in the house. Now you go. You do that thing. Drive yourself to ballet. It'll be the best. It'll be great. Um, our oldest daughter right now, she's only 12. But even this week, I was like, you could probably get to the Ultramar by yourself. You could, right, like, we'd prop you up on some cushions. You could make it. You could, anyway, now don't call social development on me. The point is for a child to become a grown-up. The point is for a baby to grow up and get to a point where they can take care of themselves and then eventually someday take care of other people. Right? That's, that's kind of full circle. They become more capable, they become more independent, and, and they can do things on their own. But just because they actually leave the house doesn't mean they're not done growing up, right? Are you ever done growing up? Because I'm 36, and I don't feel remotely done growing up yet at all. And, and so we just continue to keep growing. And so that same truth is there for everyone who follows Jesus. The point is to keep growing. We all started out as baby Christians, we all started out not knowing anything. We started out just from scratch. The first time, like, you got saved, you opened a Bible, you were like, what do I do with this? And you're reading through it like, what's a Leviticus? Have you seen Song of Solomon? Is this allowed to be in? And, and you started Genesis, and six months later, you're like, I haven't even gotten to Jesus yet. What am I reading? It's, it's brand new. And then you finally get to Jesus, and it's like, eat my body and drink my blood. And you're like, what have I done? It's, it's new, it's crazy, but I love seeing a new Christian excited about their faith. And it's raw, and, and it's just gritty. I remember a few years ago, I had someone tell me in the lobby, true story, pardon me for a moment, say, man, that's just a great effing sermon. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. And they weren't joking. Like, it was just, like, they were that raw, it was that fresh, and they loved Jesus, and they loved learning. And it was like, okay, all right, well, listen, everyone is in a different spot, aren't they? And it's okay that baby Christians kind of sometimes talk and act like baby Christians. We need to be patient. And then there's mature Christians who shouldn't still be like baby Christians, who should know better. They should be further. They should act 
kind of like their spiritual age. You can't stay a baby forever. It's weird if you stay a baby forever. Like, no one wants to help, like, a 42-year-old into their pants, right? Like, no, like, you should have learned that 38 years ago or whatever it was. It'd be weird. But here's the thing. It's weird when baby Christians, or when, when mature people, Christians, still act like babies. It's weird if you've been a Christian for a long time, you've been following Jesus for, for three years, five years, ten years, whatever, but you're still not further ahead than when you started. You should be further ahead than when you started. You should be further ahead today than you were last February the 4th. Right? We should always be growing. We should always be moving forward. You never reach a point where you're like, I did it. No, we're, we're continually still growing up in our faith. It'd be weird if someone who's been a Christian for a long... Like if, if Pastor John, after church, was like, you mentioned Leviticus. Is that like a Bible thing? <laughs> like, no, you should know that. You should, should really know that at this point. We're always moving further ahead. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is kind of telling us. He's like, you, you should be growing and maturing in your faith. And he brings it. Like, you can almost hear the exasperation in his voice when he's writing this letter. It's a bit of a mic drop. I don't know what they dropped 2,000 years ago when they said something. Like the scroll drop. I don't know what it was. But he does it. He's not pulling any punches. And he says in verse 1, stop going over the basic teachings of Christ again and again. We need to go on and become mature in our understanding. And he uses the examples of like when you repent and you get saved. That's like day one. That's early stuff. He goes on to talk about baptism, right? Like the biblical idea of baptism is that happened the moment you get saved. Like like first day of the church, 3,000 people got saved. They all head down to the river and get baptized. None of this nonsense about, I really think I need to pray and think about whether I should get baptized. That's crazy talk. In the Bible, you just did it. It The big decision was getting saved. If you made that decision, getting wet is an easy decision. True? But here's the thing. If you got baptized on a Sunday, you don't need to do it again on a Monday. Like, Mark, I'm really feeling like I should get baptized. You did that yesterday. And then Tuesday, I get another email. Mark, I'm really feeling like... I said something I shouldn't have yesterday, and I need the cleansing waters of baptism. Like, no, you don't. No, you're going to Saturday, Mark. You should fill the tank. No, no, you don't need to do it. The, the basic things that you did when you first became a Christian, we don't need to keep going over those things again and again and again. And, and it, like if Sunday morning you're like, I get baptized, even God's going to be like, I am a compassionate God who is slow to get angry, but good grief. There is a world who needs you to get out there and tell them about me. Quit, quit doing this over and over and over and over again. We should be beyond, we should be beyond that. We, we should be growing and getting further. We don't need to continue to learn how to, how to crawl and walk when we should be running and jumping. Some of us should be, maybe, further ahead. The author says, go on, move forward, and become mature in your faith. And so here's a few thoughts on what it means to become mature in our faith. The first one is this spiritual maturity is not measured in time. And here's what I mean by that. Just because time has elapsed doesn't mean you've gotten more mature. Right? Just because time has passed doesn't mean that you're more mature than you were however long ago. Time is not the most accurate gauge of spiritual maturity. 
Because you can spend a lot of time in the same spot. You can choose to not move. You can choose to get stuck. You can choose to just stay where you are. And so you can grow old without ever growing up. Spiritually. And that, that, that's kind of a scary thought. Just because you stayed in the faith for a lot of years doesn't mean that you grew in your faith over those years. It reminds me of a friend I had in high school, true story. When it came to like exams and stuff, he would sleep with that textbook under his pillow before the exam. Just the, the basic premise being, the longer I spend with this book, the better I'm going to do. I had that book with me for like 14 hours. You were sleeping! It's not going to help you, right? Time spent with something doesn't necessarily mean that you got it, that you worked at it, that you're any further ahead than you were. The same author in Hebrews um, goes back a chapter, chapter 5. He talks about this in verse 12. He says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you still need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. He says, you've been believers long enough, but you're not mature enough. You've been doing this for a while, but you're not any further ahead. How are you spending your time? It's not just that you have it. It's what are you doing with it? Right? Time really is God's greatest gift to all of us other than salvation. True? It's the greatest resource we have. You don't know how much you got. That's the crazy thing about time. It's the most important thing ever, and you have no idea when yours is up. It's a little frightening. So every day when you wake up, you're like, okay, he gave me another one. I better use this well. He gave me one more. What am I doing with it to further his kingdom? What am I doing with it to, to grow in my faith and to do things that matter? And so we need to make the most of what we've got. You are responsible for becoming the best follower of Christ that you can be. You are. No one else is responsible for your faith. No one else can grow your faith for you. No one else can force you to become spiritually mature. It's, it's, it's not just going to happen automatically. It's not just going to happen naturally like, oh, look at me growing in my faith. No, you have to do the work. You, have, you can't just, well, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. I'll, no, tomorrow, the next tomorrow. No, I'll get to that later. I'll pray more later. I'll pray tomorrow. And, I'll get, and, and then we, we end up getting fed up that we're not further ahead than we wanted to be, but we haven't done any work. We haven't done the work. You can't be frustrated that you're not further ahead in your faith if you're not doing your job. Right? We, we have to put the work in. And we're like, I just want God to do something big in my life. Get to work. Open your Bible. Spend some time in there. Do some thinking, do some fasting, do some praying. You should write in a journal. You, you should be working on your faith. You are only ever going to get out of it what you're putting into it. So how are you doing with your faith? What are you putting into your faith? Put down the milk, grab a steak, get to work. This is the nitty-gritty part of following Jesus. Right? Following Jesus isn't a job title, it's a job description. It's something that you're supposed to be doing. There's action involved. You're working at this. And so we've only got so much time. Steward it well. It's a gift. Secondly, spiritual maturity doesn't just happen at church. 
nor is it just the job of the church. All right? So this is how we started saying, like, this time together here today, this isn't it for you this week. It shouldn't be. All right, this is one day. This is 75 minutes out of one day. This can't be it for your faith. <laughs> this can't be it for what you're doing this week. Um, church is a great time for all of us to gather together, to celebrate together, fellowship together, worship together. We can chat in the lobby. We can ask everyone how we're doing, all that. It's great for all of those things. But the point is to kind of get all energized and, and fed up and like get out there for the next six days. And do the work of the church and, and do the work of the kingdom. And then we come back again on the weekend, maybe a little bit exhausted, but ready to like, all right, I got to get with my people. I got to get with my family and get re-energized into everyone's doing. And then we go back out there again and we do the work of the church. The point isn't to come here and, and do the work of the church for an hour and then think you did it. It's not to go home and be like, all right, I did my spiritual duty for the week. I went to church. You can't just ignore Jesus 99% of your week and then think, no, I'm doing pretty good. You've you got to put the work in. So the church's job isn't to do your work for you. It's to equip you to go do that work. This is Ephesians 4. Paul writes this starting at verse 11. He says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. When does that happen? When we do the work of the church. That whole passage that talks about growing and maturing in our faith, it happens when we go do the work of the church. And, and so we've gotten this confused a little bit, even historically in the church. What's happened is that the church is where you would go to, to do everything. The church is where you went to go get fed. I got to go get church and I got to get fed. It was Sunday school in the morning and then a Sunday service and then Sunday night. That was a three-course meal on Sunday. It's like, yeah, I got to go to church and get fed. And then Monday would go and Tuesday, you're starting to get hungry again. You're like, Wednesday, no, the church needs to do something else for me. I we got to have midweek. We got to have prayer meetings. We got to have things for my kids. We gotta, there's youth. There's got to be kids things. We, we got to do something because I'm hungry again and I need to be fed. And, and you'd be fed on Thursday and Friday. And by Saturday, you're like, we got to do something else. When we need a weekend event, there needs to be social activities. We, we got to get people back into the church and we got to get fed up again until it was Sunday. Right? And that was kind of the, the idea. People were at church all the time. But here's the thing. When people are at church all the time, who's out in the world being the church? We're spending so much time at the church that there are people out there wondering uh, about Jesus. And how do I know Jesus? We're all here getting fed. Well, who's out there telling people about Jesus? And, and, and so it, it's this whole idea of you got to go to church. i got to be at church. We have special meetings five nights a week. we got to be at church. 
You're going to help my kid. My kid needs Jesus. My teenager doesn't love Jesus. It's your fault. What are you doing wrong? Right? I remember, oh man, being in youth ministry for five years. One of the most frustrating parts was when, when parents would get angry at me because their kids didn't love Jesus. Like, like I'm, I was 24. They had more facial hair than I did, some of them. I don't know how to raise a teenager. I'm with them two hours a week. The other 166 hours of the week, they're with you. Why is this my fault? Right, like, it, well, it's the church's job. Teach my kid about Jesus. Raise my kid to love Jesus. We feed them. Everyone needs Jesus. And it's like the church is just going to do this. And what would happen is pastors would get all burnt out. If feed, 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 feed. But what should have been happening is people should have been learning how to feed themselves. So that they could take care of themselves and then go to other people and feed them. And then teach them how to feed themselves. This is how you make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It doesn't happen when everyone comes to the church all week. It happens when the church goes out into the world and does the work of the church. It means that we're mature when we're doing that. Don't ever tell your pastor, whether it's me or you go somewhere else, I'm just not getting fed. Are you starving yourself all week? Right? Like, how is that on me? Right? Like, what are you doing on Monday? Just skipping all your meals? Like, crack open a Bible. Start reading. Get on your knees. Do some praying. Just not getting fed. Well, pick up a fork. Right, the onus is on us to come here, to be encouraged, and to learn, and then to get equipped, and to go out there and do the work. Well, the church isn't doing enough for people in the city. No, you're the church. Go do stuff for people in the city. Right, well, what's the church doing to help hungry people? I don't know. You're the church. What are you doing? Like, why are you coming here thinking, no, you're supposed to, we're not supposed to do the work. We're supposed to equip you to go do the work. That's how you know that you're maturing in your faith. I love it when people come to me and tell me about all the things they did this week for the church. I love it when people come to me and they're like, I'm just going on a missions trip. I'm going to go and help feed people in the city. I collected school supplies for kids that didn't have any. Do you know what I did this week for people? And we didn't have to organize it. That's the best feeling for a pastor when your church is the church and they didn't wait for the church to do something for them. They just went and they did it. This building shouldn't be your spiritual destination. It should be your launching pad. This is where you go and you're like, yeah, the weekend, let's get together and woo, and then you go. And then you come back and we celebrate again everything that God did. And finally, spiritual maturity is not done in isolation. You, you can't just grow in your faith all by yourself. And so while you know that you, you should be feeding yourself, you shouldn't be eating alone. Right? Now, sometimes you can, absolutely. Sometimes you're, you're praying and reading alone, but you shouldn't only be growing in your faith alone. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever noticed this, but if you go to like a fast food, like if you go to Wendy's, and you drive by the building, you'll notice that the tables are all empty, but the parking lot is full, and everyone's eating alone in their vehicle. Have you noticed that? People who go through the drive-thru and then park their car, they're still eating at Wendy's. They're just not in Wendy's. Right? And it's like, well, I don't want to see people. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't like people. Right? Like, what, what is it that drives us? Well, here's the thing. You can't do that at the church. 
You can't always eat alone. You can't just feed yourself all alone. We have to do this together. We, we need to be building one another up. And so the Bible reminds us of this a lot. It, it says things like, as iron sharpens iron, we should be sharpening one another. Uh, a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We're stronger together. We're helping one another. We're, we're building one another up. You can't eat alone all the time. But we're supposed to be doing this in community. And, and that's why you're here today, right, is to be in community. You could, you could skip church and listen to the podcast alone every week, and you would be missing the point entirely. We need to be together. You should come to church to encourage each other, to see one another, to pray for one another, to worship together. There, there's so much value in being here as a family. I hope you encourage someone today. I hope you meet someone new today. When someone comes up and prays, I hope you come pray with them. Don't wait for a pastor to come pray with them. Now, Mark, you're standing right there. I'm never moving because I'm waiting for you to get up and come pray with someone. This is why we're together, to help one another and spur one another on. And this is why we believe in connect groups so, so much. You need to be in a connect group. You need to be in a group where you can meet people, talk about Jesus things, pray. And, and here's the thing about connect groups, and I, I hesitated about whether I should say this, but I'm going to. I don't even care what you do. I don't what book you're using, what curriculum you're using, what you're talking I don't care. If Christians are getting together with other Christians, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get better. Encourage each other. Pray with one another. If you don't actually get around to the Bible study, that's okay. As long as the church was building one another up and sharpening each other and praying for one another. You're, you can't be in that environment and not grow. And I am crazy thankful for all the people in my life that, that have helped me when I was discouraged and, and motivated me. I'm, I'm thankful for all the times I did dumb things and they called me out. I'm thankful for the people in my life still to this day, the core people around me who helped me get better at my faith, that when I spend time with them, I leave going, I need to love Jesus more. You need those people in your life. And a really great way to meet them is through connect groups. You should sign up. You should be a part of that. A question for all of us to think about right now is who in your life is helping you grow in your faith? You, I don't count. Who in your life is helping you grow in your faith? Do you have that person who will call you out? Do you have that person who will encourage you? Do you have that person that texts you just, I'm praying for you today. I'm thinking of you today. You need to have some of those people. If no one's coming to mind, start praying for that person, but sign up for a group, meet some people. We're stronger when we're together. Uh, if you're married, who, who's pouring into your marriage? Who's helping you grow in your marriage? Who's been where you have been that can help you? If, you, if you're raising kids, who else do you know that out there has raised kids or is, or is in the middle of it with you? And you're like, I cannot, I cannot listen to another episode of Paw Patrol. I've been inside for 48 years of my life. I'm going to have cabin fever. What do you do to stay sane when you're raising kids? Like we, we need each other to help us walk through all these different kinds of life, all these seasons, all the things that we're going through. It's so important to connect with one another, right? And, and the second question, 
beyond all right, who's helping you grow in your faith is this. Who are you helping grow in their faith? Because right, it's not just enough to take it all in and be fed, right? But now the point is, well, who are you pouring into? Who are you building up? Who have you kind of taken under? And, and this isn't just your buddy-buddy your friend, maybe, but who's someone that you're deliberately saying, I, I want to help you grow up in your faith? Because you should always be benefiting from someone else's faith, but you should also be contributing to someone else's faith. You should benefit from being a part of, of God's family, but you should contribute if you're also a part of God's family. Right? There is someone out there that needs someone just like you to help them. The things that you have gone through in your life aren't just for you, but they have equipped you specifically to help other people who have walked that road. If you've gone through a certain kind of medical issue, if you've battled cancer, if you've gone through some kind of surgery, do you know how encouraging it is to have other people come alongside and say, I've, I've been there, let me walk this with you. If you've lost your job and, you, and you're discouraged, it's so encouraging to have someone say, I've been there, God followed through. He, he said, look, I'm, I'm going to walk this road with you. Let me help you. So don't ever assume that, that you aren't equipped to help anyone. You absolutely are. Don't ever assume that you've got nothing to offer because you absolutely do. We are all iron who can sharpen iron. And you've got a place to help people grow. You've got a place and, and a way to help people grow up in their faith. And so sometimes we end a sermon and we're like, you should come on up and pray at the altar. Today's sermon is you should leave and sign up for a connect group. You, you should look at those. All those papers are out in the lobby. They're on tables. And, and they say, you know, what the group is geared for and what age group it is. You should find some people. You should meet some people. Today, before you leave, you should look around this room at all of the people whose faces you don't know and meet them. Go find someone new. Introduce yourself. And then maybe you've got a chance to connect with them through a group. And in and, and all honesty, there's, I think there's like 15 or 16 groups, which is awesome. Um, but if everyone was in a group, that's way too few. So we need more people to say, well, I'd, I'd host a group sometime. I'd, I would help lead a group sometime. All right? Benefit from being in the family, but contribute if you're in this family. Let's grow up in our faith to spur other people to grow up in their faith. Let's be disciples who make disciples. Let's grow beyond the weekend. It's not just going to happen because time has passed. It's not just going to happen because you've been well-churched. And it's nothing you can do in isolation. Don't ever just be the lone wolf. It's just me and Jesus. No, it's not. I don't know why I had an accent for that person. This guy's in a Western. He doesn't think he needs anyone. It's just him and Jesus. You can't. Can you imagine if your kids raised themselves? Just a bunch of feral child running wild all over the place. It'd be a disaster. Your kids can't raise themselves. They need you. Well, the church can't raise itself. It needs people like you that are growing in their faith so you can help other people grow in their faith. And so let's get to work. Let's do our job. Let's dig in. Let's pray. Let's read our Bibles. Let's do the nitty-gritty hard work of our faith because there's a lot riding on this, isn't there? So let's do this. Sign up for a group tonight. Meet some people tonight. Shake hands with a stranger tonight. And let's spur one another on. Amen.